Hey, we are so thankful that you're taking the time to tune into Grumlaw Church's podcast. It's our hope that this is an encouragement to you as you draw closer to Jesus. If you'd like to find out more about all things Grumlaw or for more info on our in-person gatherings, you can check us out at grumlaw.com. Now lean in. We're expectant for how God is going to use this time to speak to you today. Good morning, church family. It really cannot be overstated how excited I am to be standing here right now. Uh, it's certainly not every Sunday where, where I get to kind of stand up here and, and talk about the fact that 38 different people, 38 different people are being baptized today between our two campuses. In fact, I actually just kind of want to collectively pause right now and, and ask us to reflect on that. It's not normal, church. What God is doing amongst this faith community is nothing short of miraculous. And uh, I'll tell you, we're going to continue to do everything we can to continue to ride that wave uh, that God has set in motion. Uh, with it being Baptism Sunday, uh, we recognize that there probably are a lot of new faces that are watching here today. And we don't take it for granted that you would carve out a little bit of time uh, and spend it here with us. Uh, our sincere hope and, and our prayer is that uh, if you don't have a church home, that you would continue consider making this a part of your weekly rhythm. And uh, we mentioned it almost every single week that we asked you to come back and check this thing out for at least three straight weeks. And we're confident that if you do that, you take us up on that three-week challenge. Uh, this will be something that you actually look forward to each and every week that uh, before you know it, you'll kind of be like, man, what, what was I doing before I, I had this as a part of my life? Uh, again, as I often say, one of the greatest promises I think that God offers us is that as we draw close to him, he will always draw close to you. More than anything else, God just just wants a relationship with, with you. And that's probably the most important thing I'll say this morning. Uh, today we are continuing uh, in a series that we began right at the beginning of the year titled Following Jesus 101. And, and what we're doing uh, is we're exploring what have most traditionally been referred to throughout church history as, as spiritual disciplines. Uh, but because discipline can often carry such a negative connotation and spiritual can be somewhat misleading as we're exploring habits of both mind and body, uh, we are instead opting for the language practices of, of Jesus. We're exploring those rhythms that made up Jesus' day-to-day life. And then like Jesus, we're inviting you to adopt those rhythms as, as your own. And here's why I think we, we should all do this, regardless of where you find yourself today in this whole faith journey. We all want the life that Jesus had, that, that Jesus modeled so well, that, that he describes so well right here. And again, this has served as kind of our theme verse for this series. The very words of Jesus captured for us in, in the biographical account of the life of Jesus, according to a guy who went by the name of, of Matthew. Come to me, Jesus says, all of you, who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And he says, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. It's like, who, who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want an easier, a lighter, a more restful life? But, but the problem for so many of us is that, that we want this type of life, but, but we're unwilling to adopt the lifestyle, which is foolishness at, at its finest. So, so, so let's examine those day-to-day rhythms that made up Jesus's life and then take that template as our own. Let's see if it does indeed lead to the lighter, easier, more, more restful life. It's not coercion and control. Again, that, that's religion. Jesus is rather all about example and invitation. So much so that he doesn't actually command us to do this stuff. He, he rather just does these things and then he says, hey, follow me. The same invitation is in fact extended to every single one of you who are watching today. 
And with that, but before we go any further, we dive into today's content, uh, allow me to pray for us. Heavenly Father, we just, uh, we say thank you. We thank you that we get to gather here today. We thank you that we get to talk about you and share about you and be lights for you. And we just pray, God, that, um, yeah, that this whole service today would be a, 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 a sweet offering uh, to you. We pray that people would draw closer to you, take steps of obedience as a result of what it is that you're stirring up in our hearts. It's in your name we pray, amen. Uh, by the way, if you have not been here for the entirety of this series, you can always conveniently get yourself caught up at grumlaw.com slash messages, or you can find us uh, under Grumlaw Church wherever it is that you happen to grab your podcast. But let's, let's get into it. Uh, we, we've spent a good amount of time so far in this series uh, touching on, on more private practices of Jesus, Th- things like reading and, and studying scripture, prayer, uh, fasting, silence and solitude. But, but today we're going to be talking about one that is far more public. By its definition, it's, it's outward. Today we're going to be talking about witness. Now, now full disclosure, uh, how I had anticipated starting this message uh, was going to kind of be drowning you with a bunch of data revealing how pitiful American Christians are at sharing their faith. In fact, lots of different organizations uh, have done a lot of surveying and polling in this particular area. And, and while there might be some variance between said polls and surveys, it, it all concludes the exact same thing, that Christians are, are sharing their faith faith a lot less today than they did in in the past. In fact, allow me actually to just share one piece of data. Three in 10 unchurched, or or we could say spiritually disconnected Americans, report to ever having a Christian witness to them. Three in 10. While 79% of those same respondents, uh, those same unchurched Americans said that they would like to have those conversations. I'm going to return to those data points here in just a moment. So again, I was going to hit you with like a bunch of data showing how pitiful we are at this and then essentially tell you, hey, like, go do better. It sounded like a decent enough idea in my head. But, 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 but here's my working theory on, on witnessing, which is telling other people about your faith in Jesus. It's not that, that you don't want to, it's that you don't know how or I think actually more appropriately stated, you think that there's like an exact, like you think there's a a prescribed way of doing it. And and since you don't feel you know that prescribed way, you've either been A, paralyzed by fear, you're worried you don't have all the answers, that because you don't have some formula memorized and the entire Bible down pat, someone's gonna ask you some question, you're gonna be left sitting there like a chump with your foot in your mouth. Or or, or B, you're, you're driven to apathy. You feel like it's the job of people like me that do what I do for a living, or because you don't know the formula, it it excuses you from telling other people. Someone more qualified is is eventually going to come along, right? Right? In our attempt to essentially systematize everything, and this isn't just in the church, this has rather become a societal norm and there's not necessarily anything wrong with it, we've actually complicated what is far simpler than a lot of us realize. See, over and over, I hear from people right in this faith community, for instance, uh, we need to offer regular classes on witnessing. We need to offer regular classes on evangelism. We need to offer regular classes on sharing your faith. And for the record, I don't think necessarily doing that is is a bad idea, but, but those classes can also be paralyzing. Because it not so subtly communicates, hey, if you haven't taken the class, then, then you probably shouldn't do this. And, and the reality is, is if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, you're ready as in like right now, to start sharing your faith. Seriously, witnessing in its simplest and and in fact in its truest form is sharing your side of the story. 
And you see, when you're sharing your side of the story, you don't need to have anything memorized. You don't need to take a class. You're simply sharing about what God has been doing in your life and in the life of the faith community that you find yourself a part of. And if you don't believe me that it's that, it's that simple, it's, it's kind of the entire idea behind recording people's stories when, when they get baptized. And, and in just a little bit, you're going to get a snippet of some of those stories. And then in subsequent weeks, you'll hear more complete versions of each of those stories. And, and church, this tags back to something that we speak of often around here. It's why it's so important to make that distinction between believing and, and following. See, if you're merely believing in Jesus and not really following him, then of course you need to have the story down pat. You need the Roman road. You need the three circles. You need the script. But, but if you're actually following Jesus, that, that is you're taking steps of obedience in accordance with the words of Scripture and the promptings of the Holy Spirit, you essentially have this arsenal of evidence at your disposal. And, and it's personal stuff. That, that you are dying to share with other people. See, the reality is we all enjoy sharing with other people the exciting stuff that is happening in our lives, no matter how introverted you may be. For instance, my, my family and I, uh, we just got back from Florida. And, and I have enjoyed telling people about how much better my son Malachi has gotten at catching a football. In fact, I was joking around with a, with a group of guys uh, earlier in the week that like at the beginning of the trip, uh, we were playing drop. We weren't playing catch at all. He, I Throw him the football, he'd drop it every single time. By the end of the trip, it was like he was catching more of the balls than he was dropping. I like telling people the fishing trip that I went on with my two older kids while we were down in Florida. These are natural things that just sort of flow from my lips. And in the same way, as I personally take steps of obedience, I enjoy telling people about how God shows up and shows off in my life through said steps of obedience. Some of y'all are probably getting sick of me talking about the coffee shop that my wife and I started, but I'm sorry, the ways that God has shown off through that obedience keep working their way to the surface. Some of y'all are probably getting tired of me talking about adoption. So, so, so sorry, actually, not really, that the ways that God has revealed himself through our two adopted children continues to stretch my faith and frankly blow my mind. Uh, by the way, B, that little, <laughs> little twerp right there, she legally becomes a prisk on Tuesday. And you better believe that I will be telling everyone in that courtroom about Jesus. I, I know this is quite the footnote I'm on right now and I need to get back on track. But one of the reasons that so many of you feel paralyzed in regards to sharing your faith is because, <laughs> we can be honest, right? You don't have much to talk about. Or, or, or you feel like you're retelling like the same three stories from 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Or, or, or you're actually relying heavily on other people's faith. You'd frankly have a lot more to share about if you were taking bolder steps of obedience as the Spirit leads and as the Scriptures guide. We have this false sense of reality that, that witnessing, sharing our faith means we start every conversation with a stranger of, hey, do you know Jesus personally as your Lord and your Savior? It's like we're coming in maybe a little bit hot when rather we start the conversation like any other conversation. And as that individual asks about your life, because you are taking so many steps of obedience, because you are so involved in the life of the church, there is literally a flurry of God activity happening in your life that, that you would actually have to be intentional in leaving him out of the stories. 
Do you know how easy, again, to tag back to this, you know how easy adoption has made sharing my faith? It's literally impossible for me to talk about my kids without Jesus somehow weaseling his way to the surface. It was actually recently that I was having a conversation with a friend and he was asking me just a lot of practical questions. He's like, I really feel like this nudge, I'm supposed to be sharing my faith maybe more with my coworkers, how do I do that? And I kind of just went through basically what I'm going through right now in this message. I'm like, dude, you just gotta share your side of the story. You don't need a script, you don't need to memorize all this scripture, not that scripture memorization is wrong. Just share about what God has been doing in your life. He's like, well, can you give me an example? I'm like, well, you serve like every single weekend back in kids, don't you? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, when your coworkers on Monday say, what'd you do this weekend? Why don't you share about that and see if Jesus doesn't come up? And he's like, okay. And so he comes back the next week and he is all kinds of fired up about this. He's like, dude, it worked. I'm like, what worked? He's like, it worked. But my coworker asked me, hey, what'd you do this weekend? And I actually talked to him about the fact that I serve at my church. And before I knew it, I was actually talking to him about Jesus. I was like, yeah. It's, it's kind of that simple. In some of Jesus' final words on this earth, he would charge his followers with these words, the, the biographical account of the life of Jesus according to Mark this time. He says, go into all the world and preach the good news, that is the message about Jesus to everyone. Not, not just some people, but, but all people. It's also worth noting here, because I don't want this to get lost in this message. Uh, we as followers of Jesus, we are plan A in taking the message of Jesus to the ends of the earth, and there is no plan B. So there should be a sense of urgency about this. And, and it doesn't get much more clear than that. But again, a built-in prerequisite, as Jesus was saying these things, was that you were, as a follower living your life in such a way that it paved a path for those conversations to unfold. Remember in this series, we're examining rhythms that made up Jesus's day-to-day life, and then we're invited to adopt those rhythms as our own. If you study the life of Jesus found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four biographical accounts of the life of Jesus, which if you've never picked up and actually read the Bible for yourself, those would be the places to start. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you study the life of Jesus, you'll notice that Jesus very very rarely walks into a new place, walks into a town, and he just starts preaching up a storm. He doesn't just start barking out orders. He doesn't demand that every knee bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord straight away. Rather, he lived his life in such lockstep with the Father that it demanded the attention of those around him that then opened the door for him to share about his faith. For instance, a little bit of context on on this passage right here when he says, hey, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. How much weight do these words carry if, if Jesus stays dead? How much weight do these words carry if he's not the one to speak them, but, but rather just like one of the disenchanted disciples after you know, Jesus gets hung on that cross and doesn't rise from the grave? See, a somewhat important detail, a somewhat important event happened right before Jesus gave this charge. Verse 9, again, just a couple verses earlier. After Jesus rose from the dead early on Sunday morning. Oh, so... So he successfully predicted his, his own death and resurrection? I, I should probably go into the world and preach his message to everyone. One more example. Jesus' longest recorded sermon, it's usually referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. It begins in Matthew chapter 5, and it actually goes all the way into Matthew chapter 7. So it's a pretty long sermon. 
In, in Matthew chapter 5, right at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, it says one day as, as he, Jesus, saw the crowds gathering, everywhere Jesus would go, these big crowds would be there, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him and, and he began to teach them, not just the disciples, but this crowd of people. And then Jesus goes on to, if you want to read it for yourself, to share some pretty important stuff to a crowd that some estimate would have been in excess of 30,000 people. Now, why did all those people show up to listen? Because they were told to? Because there was some moral or or religious obligation? No. Let's look right at the end of chapter 4, right before these words are, are told to us. News about him, Jesus, spread as far as Syria. And people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. Jesus was going around healing people left and right. So don't get it twisted. For most of the 30,000 people in the crowd that day, they weren't there for some spiritual reason. They wanted to hear from the miracle worker. In other words, his life demanded their attention. So so come on, you could probably see where I'm going with this. Let let me ask you a question. Does yours? Are you taking such bold steps of obedience in accordance with the words of Scripture and the promptings of the Holy Spirit that people demand they long to take a closer look? Here's our word again. Is your life bearing witness to your allegiance and obedience to Jesus? Be be, be really honest with yourself. Are you you believing or are you actually following? You start actually following Jesus, you will need no further teaching on witnessing than what I have already offered up this morning. Share, share, your side of the story. You're not denying that other person's side of the story. You're not rebuffing their experiences. You're merely giving them a glimpse into yours. I I am so sorry you had such a miserable experience at that last church. But but let me tell you about what God has been doing in in my faith community. You are in the thick of it right now, but, but let me tell you about my God who continues to meet me in my mess. That, that, that is so kind of you to compliment me on that, but, but I need to share with you where that comes from. Let me revisit that, that one piece of data that I got to admit, it hit me like a ton of bricks this week as I was preparing this. Only three in 10 people have ever had a Christian share their faith with them despite the fact that nearly eight out of 10 of those same people would like to have those conversations. Like they want to talk about it. Followers of Jesus who are watching right now, let us live lives that reek of God's power, authority, and evidence in our lives. All around us, even right now, there are these invisible waves that they are invisible to the naked eye. But but through devices like microphones and sound systems and amplifiers and projectors and televisions, those invisible waves become visible. We as followers of Jesus have the opportunity to make the invisible God visible to the people around us. You've probably noticed that this is as much a message on obedience, as much a message on doing as it is witnessing. 
And, and again, if that irritates you in some way, uh, you can blame God for that one because again, as I noted at the beginning, I had a much different direction in my mind when I came and sat down to write this. Because without your action, without your obedience, your witnessing is not going to count for much. It'll feel forced at best and like religious obligation at worst. So do what Jesus did. Live like, like Jesus lived. Make the invisible God visible through your obedience to your heavenly Father. Now, to end this on a really, really practical note, for the people that joined us in person today, they received a bookmark with this branding on it, Who's Your One? But you all are watching online, but you still get to participate with this. Uh, you can go to whosyourone.com. Again, it's whosyourone.com uh, and jump in on this. Uh, since day one as a church, uh, we have been challenging those of you who would call this place your church home to have exactly one person, not five, not 20. Some of you are overachievers, but one person person uh, that you are praying for every single day until that person comes to have a saving faith relationship uh, with Jesus. And and so we're inviting you right now, if if you have not opted into that before, today can be the day. Who is that person that you're going to begin praying for? It might be a neighbor. It might be a person that you work with. It might be a family member. But who's that person that God has been laying on your heart, that there's this this burden that that person would come and again, step into a relationship with Jesus and, and put something around your house. Again, if you join us in person, you got these bookmarks, or put this in a place where you will be reminded to pray for this individual every single day until that individual, again, steps into a relationship with with Jesus. Now, Now, what's really beautiful about this is when you begin to pray for said individual, it's incredible how every interaction with that person presents itself differently. It, it presents itself as an opportunity. Like, might this be the day where, where I actually get to share my faith with, with this person? And, and there's also a built-in gut check with this. If you're not actually following Jesus, you're just believing in Jesus, it, it will seem like opportunities to talk about Jesus with this individual will evade you. But, but if you're following Jesus, well, guess what? He's, he's going to come up. Now, now, one last challenge to keep you trekking towards action, to keep you trekking towards obedience. Uh, I, I've mentioned this before, but I, I feel like it's worthy of being brought up right now. I, I want to invite this church, again, if you call yourself a follower, not just a believer, but a follower, to live your life by the 51% rule. Here's what I mean by that. If you think that there is a greater than 51% chance that God is asking you to do something, as long as it lines up with the words of scripture, just go for it. It will rarely, if ever, bite you in the rear end. And I'm not just saying that as a paid spokesman. I am saying that as a satisfied customer, as an individual who's been trying to live my life by this rule now for like the better part of the last 10 years. Let us as a faith community make the invisible God visible to a world who so desperately needs him. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a good, good God who never gives up on us. I pray that, again, I don't know why, but I feel like you've just been dropping this word in my head over and over and over and over again here over the last five, six years. It's just like obedience, obedience, obedience. Obedience is the win, that we would be a people who when you prompt, when you nudge, when we read scripture and we're like, man, that's not a part of my life, we, we just do. We, we in a lot of ways kind of blindly trust you because we know that you already sent your one and your only son for us. So what else might you have waiting for us if we are to take those steps of obedience? So let us be a people who don't merely listen, but be a people who do. We love you so, so, so much, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray, amen.